Fit After 30 show, episode number 20, with Charlie Johnson, staying in shape while traveling the world. This is full of gold. Pen and paper at the ready, you are going to love this. Let's go. Welcome to the Fit After 30 show, the podcast for those who refuse to accept that they're past it or that their best days are behind them and are ready to demand more from themselves despite some potential new challenges. Aches might be there, your time might be a little limited and your responsibilities are likely through the roof. But ultimately, if you're listening in, I know you're not up for just settling. Welcome in once again as we explore how to excel and balance physique, family and fat loss in this new chapter of your life. I'm your host Sharif Lawton and this is the Fit After 30 show. Boom, welcome in team to another episode of the Fit After 30 show. I am joined by Charlie Johnson. Charlie, what's going on dude? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Very excited to be here and uh, look forward to talking to you. Good man, excellent. And whereabouts are you right now? Just remind me. Uh, So I was going to say, I mean, I normally say I'm in a sunny place, but I'm in Toronto, which is very grey. I've been in Canada for about four weeks and I'm about to go on another jaunt to Nashville next week for a week then I'm going to Mexico for two weeks then Miami for a week and then heading home to Dubai where I moved in January so Incredible. a bit of a, a traveling fitness delinquent to be fair and we're gonna that's you know we're gonna segue into that really really nicely but is all that out of interest that work is that pleasure is that a mixture of the two what's the deal um a mixture of the two so originally this is this is this is how life exaggerates and things go on. I originally came to Canada on the 7th of March to go skiing because random side fact, I'm a qualified ski instructor. I love that. So I went to Vancouver, uh, went there for two days. Then went like on a road trip through the mountains skiing for like 10 days. Went to like Whistler, Banff, Lake Louise. Anyone who's into skiing will have heard of those places. Uh, but the flight from Dubai, which we can talk about, to Toronto to then Vancouver is like 15 hours and five hours. And it's a 12 hour time difference. Right. So it's a massive, massive chore to get here. So I was like, you know what? I, I don't really fancy going straight back and I have to come back to the US in mid April. So I was like, I'll stay in Toronto for a week um, because there's a sick gym here. It's probably the best gym in the world, uh, Pure Muscle Fitness. And I was like, cool, I'll do that. And I was like, you know, I quite like it. Here. And I was like, I can't be bothered to fly back to Dubai. So I ended up staying, stayed here for like another th- three weeks now uh, before I go to the US next week. So. The rest of the trip is um, a business event in Nashville I need to go for. I've got some business and pleasure stuff in Mexico and then uh, another business event in Miami. So I'm more looking forward to going to all of them other than Nashville, which is I've been there before. It's just like another grey city, really. Mate, how do you deal out of interest with like the, the jet lag? I know like all those places are potentially, uh, you know, not, not too messed up in terms of time zones, but do you take like melatonin? Do you just get on with it? Do you nap? What's the deal? Okay, so I'm going to go give you the, the secret because this is how you really optimize this. So um, when it comes to traveling and, and staying in shape and traveling, this is where a lot of people really go away. And I'll map out basically with like two different scenarios. So normally I used to live in London. I used to fly from London to Dubai a lot. So I used to get 10 past nine flight from London Gatwick to Dubai. And one of the best things you can do when you travel, which most people don't know. So I'm going to give everyone listening to this, you might want a pen and paper, some really like strategic advice to take down. It's number one, the best thing you can do is fast. Because when you fly, it puts a lot of stress on your body. A lot of people get mentally stressed out. 
uh, I do from the airport and not so much the flight. And then um, physically your body has a bit of a meltdown from the radiation, cabin pressure, all this sort of stuff. So you often get a lot of digestive issues whilst flying, yep. which is why you should fast. There's also a big benefit in terms of fasting in terms of that it lets your digestion almost reset because most of us probably haven't gone through a period of where we haven't eaten for a long period of time, for a long time. So um, if you're going to fast during a flight, this is a really easy way to give yourself a good break in terms of eating. So for example, using the 10 past nine, a flight from Gatwick to Dubai, if I was to get that flight, I'm not going to eat. Um, I'm going to eat probably the night before, say for example, 8 p.m. I'm not going to eat in the morning when I wake up. I'll get on a plane. That's a seven hour flight. I'll land in Dubai in the evening. I would probably end up fasting about 22 hours by that point. Wow. Pretty much effortlessly. And then when I touch down in Dubai, I can have dinner, whatever I want. And I've got a huge amount of bank calories. Um, Rated cheesecake. So for anyone, yeah, yeah, well, I try to avoid that one. Um, I have learned though, I remember the first time I did this, that I was so hungry. I was like dieting for a photo shoot that I turned up and I ate way too much food and got acid reflux, which I'd never had before. So oh, that's no. that a good one. <laughs> um, but a big one for anyone listening to this, I'd say in terms of why this works really well for you, in particular for like summer holidays coming up, is if you fast the first day when you're traveling, A, you're not having to worry about eating shitty food on the plane, yeah. which you're probably not going to enjoy anyway. You're not going to have stress about taking food on the plane or through the airport. And then also you're going to probably be banking about 2,000 to 2,500 calories extra you can eat that week, which if you look at like most desserts are like maybe 500 calories or two pints of beers, maybe roughly 500 calories. Like you're, you're saving up like four or five desserts over the week you can eat yeah. just from not doing that. And that's going to put you in maintenance. You do the same when you go back. Guess what? That's another four or five desserts. Not that you should equate like these things like that, but that's how it works out in terms of staying in shape when traveling. And one of the things that I use a lot in terms of being more flexible with my food and still getting results. Have you tried anything like that before, Sharif? Yeah, man. Just um, to be fair, not quite with that length of time, but I'll certainly be up for it. Obviously, it makes logistical sense on paper, but the fact you're like, no, it actually makes sense in real life, you know, and I've done it before. I think that's such a hack and it's something which you don't have to prepare or worry about. My question would be, what would you say to someone that's like, okay, cool, that like 22 hour fasting window sounds quite aggressive. Um, I can't make it that long. Is that like a practice thing? Is it a mentality thing? How, what would you say to someone that's like, how do I fast like for a day pretty much? So this is why I do it on flights, because if I was to like, uh, if I was to do it when I'm actually like on the ground or in a place where I could get food that I want, I love food. I love eating out. It's like my it's favorite hard, thing. Yeah. It's probably why I train so I can eat out. Yeah. It's not going to happen, yeah. which is why I almost make myself do it more so when I fly because it forces me to do it. And this is when you'll actually notice when you're on the plane and how often actual hunger you feel is boredom eating because you'll be there and you'll be like, oh, four hours left. They're serving like peanuts or something. It's like, I want some peanuts. <laughs> like, just to entertain yourself for two minutes. Yeah. And that's when that's really, really important for yourself, anyone listening to this, to think about, okay, this happens to me all the time. And it's my own mental strength and awareness to be like, I don't need the fucking peanuts. Like, yeah. I can just sit here. Uh, one thing I just recommend people do as well, some other hacks, is generally you want to try and drink a lot of water when you fly as well, because you tend to get a lot of fluid retention. Um, if I had clients who are competing, I'd even say maybe up to a litre per, like, per hour on the flight can sometimes be a general rule of thumb. If you're doing a shorter two, three hour flight, I'd probably try and do that. If you're doing 15 hours, I wouldn't do 15 liters of water. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the whole thing with fasting, particularly if you're doing that regimen where you're flying earlier on in the morning, like you're gonna fast through the night. So I wouldn't even count that as like, in terms of you feeling hungry. And then normally say most people probably eat seven, eight o'clock in the morning, 
you could almost count your fasting hypothetically from that period of time because that's the meals you're really going to be skipping so then it's only going to be maybe six to eight hours where you're not going to be eating where you would normally eat because you're extending it over the, the nighttime fast if that makes sense yeah i think that's absolutely bang on because like it's not like you're missing out like you say plain food's normally shit anyway you're focused on something else you're busy you've got check-ins you've got bags you've got what have you and i think yeah if you're just trying to like sit there and willpower yourself when you're in your own environment you've got your kitchen there you've got delivery apps that's like 10 times harder but on a flight yeah i think that's uh, that's absolutely gold and if that's like the, the kind of strategy when you're now traveling, which is wicked, what would you now say to someone who's like either does or doesn't do that, but they're in a completely different environment when it comes to food and stuff like that? I mean, I've I've seen you at an event whereby there's an MS down the road, you've got what you need, it's not that hard, but for, for other people, they don't have that level of awareness. What would you now say if someone is completely out of routine to get high protein foods? Like what's your go-tos, what's your do's and don'ts when you actually landed? So that's really, really good. Um thing to talk about and this is actually interesting so i the way i like to describe this and i've thought about this a lot recently is it's almost in principle so uh, an interesting case scenario i use myself as an example is um when i landed in canada i think 7th of march i basically trained probably like two weeks maybe four times i did like two upper body two lower sessions because i was just skiing messing around whatever um and wasn't in environments of great gyms and to be honest with you I, i'm a bit of a gym snob if it's shit equipment i'd rather my body actually does better with resting a bit more sometimes yep um so one of the things that I, I these are the core principles i used and i dropped a ton of body fat in those two weeks and i only worked out four times i was eating out all the time pretty much eating what i wanted like i did a cookie every day a muffin or something if i wanted to now the key things you want to look at number one first most important thing i think about is overall calorie intake i know roughly I need probably two and a half, three thousand calories, and I'll probably be in a def. If I'm less than three thousand calories, I'm vaguely active. I'll lose weight because um, I'm a bigger guy. I've got quite a lot of muscle mass, whatever. Like, know what that number roughly is for you, and just try and shoot to be in that range roughly. So, um, that's a really important thing I think about is just understanding energy balance yeah. and trying to be active wherever you are. Um, secondly, I would say is in terms of thinking about uh, protein. So, the most important thing you need is protein. It's like the master macronutrient. Because even when you uh, eat and digest protein, 30% of that's going to be broken down in terms of actually uh, going to be burnt in terms of absorbing it anyway. Yep. And also protein is vital in terms of making you feel uh, full in terms of not being super hungry, maintaining mass, muscle mass, all the good stuff we need. So I'd recommend a general rule of thumb would be one gram per pound of body weight for most people. Obviously, if you're 400 pounds, it's a different conversation. Yep, yep. But that's a, a general, general thing to look at. So I would first look at um my calorie intake am i sort of roughly where i need to be with that number two am i staying active every day just even if it's just like i'll try and go for a walk every day in toronto when the weather's awful uh number three and then making sure you hit your protein and the other two are really simple and this is all you have to do to lose weight make sure you're sleeping like reasonably well at least six to eight hours as a minimum and then uh, make sure you're staying hydrated and drinking water if you do those like five principles whilst you're traveling and you don't overthink things, you don't overstress things, you don't overcomplicate things, just go with the flow. You can add in like the odd sweet treat here and there and just trying to accumulate in terms of the overall food you're eating, you will lose weight. It really is that simple. Yeah, and that's really congruent with what, you know, I tell my guys and gals and what have you in terms of like, right, what are actually the big key needle moving behaviors, obviously energy balance, protein intake and what have you. So if we now sort of think about, you know, you've already talked about the fasting in terms of managing mm -hmm. protein intake, what about, pardon me, managing sort of calorie balance when it does come to protein intake? Because for me now, like it, 
in this day and age, it feels like it's not that hard to pick up high protein convenience yeah. food, but, but, you know, some people generally struggle with that. Is there, are there certain things you say at a restaurant that you want to have leave out on the side? Like, are there certain, um, yeah, like leave the dressing on the side or what's your kind of practical tips for eating out if you're trying to stay on point? Um, I think one interesting thing to think about is knowing what your, what your problem is, I don't know if that's right. Whatever your trigger thing is for me, I've, I'm, I'm a bread, bread fiend. Like you put a bread basket in front of me. I'm like, I'm two hands in. Um, <laughs> so I, I would try and be aware of whatever the problem is for you. Cause you've probably got something that triggers you um, and be aware of that. And I'd also think about firstly, try and like set yourself up for success by the beginning. So I'm a big believer in your environment. If you book yourself in to go for dinner and eat all you can eat Chinese restaurant, Game you're going to fuck up. Yeah. yeah. So like it's pointless. Um, and I've got that weird mentality. So if someone says, oh, do you want some more? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, I just say yes all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, that's always a bad one. So I'd always recommend what I tend to look for when I'm eating out a lot. It's just something with like a lean protein source. Yep. And then knowing if I need more carbohydrates, can I have something with that, which will be sensible in terms of that. Like uh, if I, I'll probably have like a steak, baked potato, rice. I even have bread sometimes as carbohydrates. Like on Sunday, I went to... Uh, the cheesecake factory is not my favorite and had uh, I went on the so this is a hack for anyone who's in North America or the Middle East uh, go to cheesecake factory I had the skinny licious salmon I think it was I think it was like 550 calories um, which is nothing it's like 40 grams of protein 20 grams of carbs I got to have like a basket of bread as well which I love and then I, <laughs> I hit my like mac, that, that was my carbs yeah and I hit my macros and calories a day perfectly and that's when people start to understand it's like okay, you can literally have the food you love and still see results. Yeah. So again, if we're talking about in terms of making better food choices, we can use Cheesecake Factory again as an example because I really like it, is if we look at, if you went on the menu there and you ordered a salad, and this is a really good example, the, I think the baked barbecue ranch salad or whatever is really, really nice, about 1,700 calories though, mostly wow. because of sauces, fried what onions. Salad, Jesus, wow. Whereas if you go on the Skinny Licious menu, you have the, the salmon, for example, they have a steak thing, they're about 550 calories. You could also get one of the cheesecakes, which is like, you could get the, the normal ones, so they're like 700 calories, or you get one of the better ones, it's about 1,200. Yeah. And you're, you're about the same calories as the bloody salad in the first place, yeah. getting the main and a dessert yeah. rather than the salad. So that's, that's where you need to understand, listening to this, how the numbers start to stack up. Yes, 100%. It's like nutritional Tetris, isn't it? But just like, you know, that little bit of self-awareness, that little bit of like planned effort to be like, let me just check out the menu beforehand because either they're going to have the calorie allotments or if they don't, like you can roughly be like, right, I'm going to go for fillet steak, baked potato, vegetables. I'm going to say no oil, have it on the side. Like you say, just a bit of forward thinking and planning because I think a lot of people get into trouble when there's no forward thinking, there's no planning. They've had a really rough day of meetings then they're chucked into like dinner with everyone else and everyone's boozing, eating bread and what have you. They're so like tired and that decision fatigue is completely fucked. They're just like, yeah, whatever. And then like, oh, I messed up the diet. It's like, well, if there was just a little bit of forward thinking, you know? So no, I think that's gold, man. I think um, some good tips for anyone in that situation is, uh, particularly if you don't want to drink, sparkling water is always a good one, I think, because yeah. people don't necessarily know what you're drinking then and it's like something fizzy with ice. I also really like uh, San Pellegrino, being a water salt is nice. Yeah. And, um, and again, just like, if you're going for dinner, I had this conversation with one of my clients this week. It was like, he was at conferences and he was, uh, saying that he was having issues controlling his food. And it's like, okay, I appreciate you can't necessarily choose what exactly is put in front of you. However, rule number one, you can understand, you can like control the amount of calories you're eating. You can always control how much exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is the number one reason you'll get, you're going to gain weight is because you eat too much. 
Yeah. So just anyone listening understand that. Number two, there's always a worse and a, a better, better choice you can make. Yes. So like, there's always going to be like, I don't know, a lasagna you could choose on the menu, or there might be a salmon fillet. Which one's probably going to be a better option? Probably the salmon fillet. Yep, yep, yep. Like, and this is where people just need to learn, like I said earlier, the principles in terms of decision making, rather than being like, "Oh, it hasn't got to my diet plans. So fuck, I was going to eat whatever I want." Yes. which is what I think most people do. A hundred percent, one hundred percent. They're like, "I can't track it accurately in my fitness pal. Don't know how many calories it is, so fuck it." When it's like, "Well, people lost weight before my fitness pal, so just apply a bit of brain power, right? You don't have to necessarily track everything with a barcode necessarily." Um, I think that's bang on, man. And what what would you say your advice be around? booze obviously i know if you've got a client who's in photo shoot shape that's not going to be part of the conversation a lot of my guys and gals you know they drink socially which might lead into bad food decisions and what have you again is it a case of picking your alcohol is it a case of having a cap a limit obviously enjoying your indulgences what would you say to someone that you know booze is a big part of the, the trip or what have you um i said there's a couple of good things yes you remind us something else to bring up so i think with alcohol um the big thing that i would recommend is trying to ideally try and pick a clear spirit yeah. Uh, so something like gin or vodka with a diet mix of very, very low calories. You have two or three of those. It's not really going to make that much difference. Maybe 180, 200 calories. And you probably feel it quite a lot. You can also then, if you start doing that, say you have three of those in a night, you could also just have three normal diet Cokes. No one's going to know you're not drinking if you're concerned about that. Yeah. Very easy way to work around that. Um, if you're into wine, I'd recommend trying to like wine. Red wine is actually really good for you, but like, the devil's in a dose obviously a glass yeah. versus a bottle is a different conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh i think again it comes down to moderation so like one or two like once a week is not really an issue one or two every single day is in a different conversation so i think people understand like okay uh i'm going to this business event i'm gonna have two three glasses of wine that's cool but i'm not going to do that again until next week fine like i think that's important or they're going to go today and they're going to have one glass of wine today they might have one on friday um, rather than having an entire bottle today, an entire bottle Friday, it's trying to think about balancing that out. And I think something I talk about a lot is thinking about um, the macro rather than the micro, because I think too many people zoom in too much, worry about too much on the calories in one day. Absolutely. So you actually zoom out and look at the week overall. If you spread that up a little bit, you can have the glass of wine here or there and still see fat loss results. 100%. And that kind of circles back nicely to your first point. You're just like, if you have create yourself a massive deficit, essentially, with the with the fasting travel days, then you can now spread it out. It's not so bad. Mm -hmm. And all the rest of it. I think that's absolutely solid. And one of the tips in which like one of my clients did before he went away, and it was the most basic thing in the world, but it works really well. It was like, right, when I sit down to dinner with my family, I'm either going to have a starter or a dessert or booze. Like, I'm going to pick out of those three, which my indulgence is going to be. I'm going to enjoy it. But guess what? I'm not going to do all three every dinner time because I don't want to ruin my results. I'm like, that was gold. Just pick your indulgences. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. And I think that's people understanding what they actually really want and not just having food for the sake of it. And a good yeah. example of this is um, buffet. So for example, when I was in Canada, I'm going to talk about it again, I stayed in a hotel sit called Fairmont and Whistler. Buffet breakfast was insane. I was like, okay, we need to, we need to set some ground rules here because this is going to get out of hand. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, I, which is, this is what I recommend with clients. I give myself a one plate rule. So we come back to the principles we talked about at the beginning. Most important thing we need is protein. So it's like, okay, I'm going to get uh, two poached eggs and I'm going to get a, an egg white omelette. And I'm only allowed one plate. That's half my plate already gone. So, okay, cool. What else can I get on this plate? So I was like, okay, I'll get some bread. So I got some bread. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get um, some fruit. And that's my base. My whole plate's done. Yeah. So I've mounted the plate up. I hit the one plate rule. I've got my protein ticked off. My carbs are probably about 50 grams. Overall calories, maybe seven, 800, maybe a bit more. 
but like again general rule of thumb you're setting some type of portion control and the problem is when people go see spaces for their buffet breakfast and stuff is they they're repeat offenders they keep going back up yeah. and I'm, I'm guilty like you just have to be like okay i'm gonna have one plate whatever i get on there i can have but i have to get my protein first yeah protein first is good the one plate rule is solid buffets are such a killer because you just got different tastes and textures and flavors so even if you get you know palate fatigue from one thing you're like oh but what about that and that and that and that can be a recipe for disaster right um I think that's solid, man. And in terms of like nutrition and lifestyle management, I think that's bang on. And that's 80, 90% of the problem. What would you say to someone? Again, you can find gyms and it's not that hard, but you know, to someone who hasn't got access to their normal routine in terms of like the level of, you know, effort that they need to get results versus the level of effort they just do need to keep it. Cause I think people get quite confused with that. Like, I couldn't stick to my routine, so I didn't do it. And it's like, well, you could have fucking done something. So the hit, this is an interesting conversation. I just reminds you, I need to talk about circadian rhythm in a minute because that's an important thing to talk about. Solid, yeah. But um, you have to remember the difference between trying to create new muscle mass and retain muscle mass are two different things. Yes. So like, like I said, when I went to Canada, when I was in Canada at the beginning of the month, I only trained twice for two weeks and I looked better because I was dropping body fat and I was just retaining muscle mass just by doing like minimal effective dose. And yeah. that's one of the things you want to think about in terms of being time efficient when I go to Nashville next week, I'm going to be busy at events all day. I, and I, I, I was saying to this morning, I'm going to scale back my training because like, I'm just going to train every other day instead of doing what I'm doing at the moment because it's going to be too much. I will burn myself out. And I only need enough to keep some sort of stimulus to give my body that like signal to be like, okay, I need to keep this muscle mass yeah. rather than think I need to annihilate myself every day. And that's very important for people to understand and becoming self-aware in that process. Um, when it comes back to circadian, sorry, circadian rhythm as well, we're talking about fasting. Yeah. So I thought to bring this up because it's a big one. One of the big things people suffer with a lot, if you, for example, travel from Europe to the US, North America a lot, or to Middle East or Asia or whatever, is getting hammered by jet lag. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons why fasting works so well for you in that respect is because our circadian rhythm in terms of our body knowing what time of day it is, is based only on two things. One is sunlight, so the sun being up in the sky. Yep. Number two is eating or eating patterns. So if you go to your new time zone and you land in Dubai at seven o'clock in the evening as your first meal of the day and you have dinner and you then go to sleep, you're starting to reset your circadian rhythm to understand the new time zone you're in and then get you into that sink. Where if you're still trying to eat uh, in the past of where you came from in that time zone, your body's going to be all over the show because it's going to think you're, you're eating at like three, four o'clock in the morning which is going to take you a while to start to try and unravel, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. So like nix the Cocoa Pops at 3am sort of thing, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. No, that's absolutely solid. That's fantastic. And, you know, I didn't even really want to talk about this just because I think it's the icing on the cake. It's really irrelevant compared to all the gold in which we've now just talked about. But people are going to ask. It's like anything from like a, a supplementation point of view, which you now recommend potentially? Uh, for for travelling, 100%. And, and generally overall, so I would say, one of the things a lot of people don't think about traveling is electrolytes. So yep. when we fly, I already mentioned in terms of the importance of hydration, we tend to get very dehydrated and we also tend to get depleted in um, minerals, uh, which is why people get cramps and stuff like that after traveling. So I always recommend taking like the electrolyte tablets and I'll actually put them in the water in the flight. Uh, and I tend to drink a lot of them anyway. So particularly if you're going somewhere that's like a hotter climate and you're from a uh, colder area in Europe or maybe like North America somewhere. So electrolytes are a big one that people don't think about, in particular if you're a high performer in business, because it has a huge impact in terms of cognitive function. Yes. And if you're, for example, in the UK, and I used to get this a lot, come three o'clock, I used to find that my brain would be, be like, like bogged down. I couldn't really concentrate. 
a lot of that sometimes is an electrolyte imbalance, which by adding more electrolytes into your um, body will actually help you concentrate and be more productive with work. Um, other supplements I'd recommend, so this is a good example, I'm actually looking at them now. So the ones that I, I have taken with me whilst I'm in Canada at the moment would be a basic protein powder. Yep. Um, I have a uh, multivitamin, vitamin D3. So vitamin D3 is a vital for uh, your immune system function here in Toronto, there's barely any sunshine. So you're not going to get that naturally from being outdoors. Um, something called folate. Um, so you want to get a methylated version of that, which helps in terms of how cells work. And then like a fish oil product. Those would be the ones I'd look at. And then if you have issues with things like sleeping, um, sometimes magnesium can be a good one to add in. Um, and particularly if you train pretty hard and if you can be quite stressed, those would be the core basics I would probably look for most people to use. Solid. Yeah, that's absolutely solid. Any any kind of experience with ashwagandha out of interest? Uh, I tend to use that um, and cordyceps as well and a lot of other nootropic products. I, I don't bother. I, I take a lot of supplements, like health supplements. I take like all of them because I just am a big believer in um, maximizing what your body can do and all those small percentages of things adding up. So like the compound effect. Yep. Um, so if anyone who likes reading uh, a book, I really suggest checking out, it's called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. talks about how all these small choices add up over a long period of time. It. But it relates a lot to supplements. Um, but I really like nootropics. So ashwagandha is something I, I'm a big fan of. I tend to use them within uh, other products where it's all like combined in like a profile rather than trying to take them individually. Yep. Um, supplement needs do a product called the AM Priming Stack. It's very good. Um, so that's something I use in the morning uh, in Dubai, which I definitely think helps. And it's also got something called periwinkle extract, which aids with blood, blood flow to the brain. Um, and I think, again, all these small things stack up. So if you're a high performance person, you want to maximize the way you think, feel and perform. Yes. You're just setting yourself up for success. And I think the reason why now, well, I've even asked you this about, you know, after this conversation is because like people will generally latch on to like, okay, I need to buy this like priming stack. And it's like, dude, you sleep four hours a night and like you're super stressed. So, you know, you need to get those big rocks in place first, which is obviously what we've been talking about, which is solid. But uh, no, I think that's, that's absolute gold, man. And in terms of any sort of like other, just like lasting tips in terms of, because you have a, you know, you stay in great shape year round, you travel and all the rest of it. Obviously you've given some of your main tips, pointers of advice. I think for me, it's like a lot of it is practice as well. So the first, like, I've just come with this podcast, can't wait to try like a, a 22 hour fast, might not get it right the first time, but it, was it practice for you or did you do it straight away? Or was it just like, I travel so much. So now I'm just in a routine now. Um, I think it's in a routine. I think it's all getting your body into a good spot. And I think actually one of the most important things with that is differentiating the difference between emotional eating and actually needing food. 100%. And this is one of the things I've started to currently understand more now with my body in terms of uh, probably more than ever the last like month or so is in terms of like, I have a set like macros and calories that I'm trying to eat at the moment. I'm like, do you know what? I actually genuinely feel really tired and hungry. It's like, I actually need to eat more today. And that's not me just being like greedy and wanting to yeah. eat food because I'm greedy. I was like, <laughs> uh, if I look at my training performance, I was like, okay, I trained leg system. It sucked. My strength's really weak. I'm like, mm, and I am getting leaner. And I'm like, mm, you might be pushing the envelope a little bit here too much. You might need to try and add a bit more food back in. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's why it's so important that people have coaching from Sharif, me, yeah, whoever, because the biggest issue we have in terms of managing our bodies is when we look at ourselves and how we feel, it's an emotional decision that's driving things, not a logical thing, because yes. we can't take our emotions of how we feel in that current state out of the thought process. Yeah. Rather than if you and me look at someone, look at the data being like, okay, Charlie's lost, I don't know, a kilo this week. 
his leg training's dropped. He's feeling really hungry. Uh, he's looking really, really lean, but he's starting to like he's starting to tank here. Maybe he needs a little bit more food for a period of time. Like it's easier for someone from the outside looking in and be like, "You should do this. This is what I'd recommend," rather than you like second guessing yourself based upon emotion. So that's a big thing I think people need to understand. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more because people are, are like say emotional creatures, and obviously like some of your level of awareness is probably taking you this long to now like take the emotion out of it. And be like, no, logically, I actually, probably do need some more carbohydrate or a refeed or what have you, just to make sure that I don't flatten out. Whereas before, you're probably just like push, 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 and I've just got to beast it, and then yeah. something might have broken over your body or your mind, right? So yeah, yeah, and I think that breaking point is when people go off the rails and then they they go to cheesecake factory and eat three cheesecakes because they're like <laughs> exactly. they've they've almost kicked the can down the road so long yeah that they just go off the rails in a big fashion and i think that's where people need to understand it's that a sustainable approach and i was actually i trained with a guy called noah yesterday who owns pure muscle fitness here and we both have the same love for food and like the finer things in life and like they've got this thing these things here called like kai kai cookies in the gym i don't know what they are but they're, like, they're these like insane cookies and it's like i've been eating them pretty much like every other day <laughs> but I have them after training and yeah. I know I can get away with it if I time my food correctly and have the right amount of it. Yeah. And that's again, when it comes down to understanding your bodies and needs, but also understanding that there is a benefit of me doing that because it's satisfying some need that I have. That's not going to, that's going to mean then at the weekend when I go out, I went out the weekend, there's dessert on the menu. I was like, I don't really have fancy any of these. I'm just not going to have it. Yeah. They weren't anything I really wanted. And I'm not just going to eat for the sake of it. I'd rather have a cookie in the week once or twice after training than just because the weekend I have a meal or I have a white one. If it's something I don't really fancy, I'll eat for the sake of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%, man. I think one of the big things in which you sort of alluded to throughout this whole like conversation is just like literally picking your indulgences, making sure like, right, if the bread basket's important to you, you're going to have the bread basket. But guess what? That does mean that like you can't have all the bread all the time. You are going to have to restrict in other places, which is solid um but do like listen i could literally chat to you about this for all day I'm obviously conscious of your time i think there's so many pockets of wisdom and gold i would want to replay this this episode if i was listening back um but any kind of either lasting thoughts or where can people catch your stuff uh just let me know man uh one thing i just finish up for everyone to think about is that the most important things you need to think about in terms of getting the best shape possible for you are two things one having self-respect for yourself and the other thing is um the strange one in particular if you're leader of a family a business or whatever is you have to be self so you have to be selfish to be selfless so you have to put yourself first to become the greatest version of you to then help and uplift everyone else if you're constantly putting everyone else first then you you'll be letting yourself down it's the same thing when um if a plane's going to crash you've got to fasten your own seat first before you can fasten your kids because if you can't look after yourself you can't look after them so that's a big thing i think about um, no, I, I know that's probably the same thought process you have no, definitely. I, I could not agree more, especially with my demographic, a lot of mums, a lot of dads. And actually, if we're getting really deep with it, I actually think intuitively people might know this, but they, they're kind of using that like, oh, but I've got to look after this person as a bit of an excuse. Am I right? Exactly that. You know, and all of your excuses are lies. That's... Yeah. 100%. 100%. No, that was a, a you know solid ending and very congruent with my message. So, dude, I appreciate it. Um, if anyone wants to find out any more of the content or any other stuff I do, I've got my own podcast called The Shredder Show. So we talk a lot about like dedication, motivation and fat loss tips in there. Uh, Instagram is Charlie Johnson Fitness. YouTube is actually the same. We've got a thousand videos there and exercise execution and other stuff like that. Um, LinkedIn, all the other good stuff as well. So yeah, if anyone wants any other content or listen to any other stuff like that, just feel free to reach out.
absolutely solid i'll link up all the good links in the show notes and what have you but dude thanks so much for your time man that was a solid episode. Pleasure, really appreciate it pleasure thank you nice one man